Good day everyone, welcome back to another episode of a lawyer and a policy analyst walk into a bar. This is episode 5 of season 5 and for today's topic we're looking at Barbados's move to a republic and we're asking is it a change in name only. With us we have another great guest as usual, Dr. Ronnie Yearwood and in true fashion we'll let him introduce himself in a bit. But uh, you know, Delan and I were actually at the same bar for over a week and we did not get to record an episode, but um, unfortunately, but we had to put something out and we're glad that uh, Dr. Yerwood is here with us today. But as always, I'm the lawyer, Jadrick Cummings. And I'm Delano D'Souza, the policy analyst. And like Jadrick said, uh, we've been away for a little while and, and we apologize for that. Uh, we were both in St. Lucia for a little while, but we didn't get a chance to, to do a, a recording. And, and this one is long in the making. We've just been waiting to get to sit down eagerly uh, with Ronnie so that we could discuss what is a very topical um, conversation now, not just in Barbados, but across the region. Because as you know, um, the move to Republic is something that many countries have discussed at some point in time or are discussing um, in relation to changing the head of state, among other things. So we're going to let... Um, Dr. Yeo Ronnie, because you know we're a very laid-back podcast, we're going to let Ronnie introduce himself and we're going to jump right into the pod. So Ronnie, thank you for being here with us today. Hi, uh, thanks very much for having me, uh, Delano and Jadrick. Uh, really appreciate this. Um, so just a little bit of background on myself. Uh, uh, I am also a lawyer, so I guess it's uh, two lawyers and a policy analyst walking to, <laughs> walk, yes. walk into, a, walk into a bar. Um, and <laughs> I guess a little bit of me is also a policy analyst because my background is actually in political science and sociology. Um, so I, I, I certainly think of myself as an accidental, an accidental lawyer. But um, uh, so at the moment, I'm a lecturer uh, in law at University of the West Indies, but I'm also qualified to practice in the British Virgin Islands, Barbados and in uh, England and Wales. So I've been called to the bar in, in those three places. My, my original background really is... Uh, trade, international trade law, international economic law, so finance and banking, um, and, and also the influence really of politics. Uh, there's been recently, not even recently, I, I guess it's assuming my role at UE, a strong interest, uh, and even before that, in governance issues. So hence, uh, you know, engaging a lot of discussions on the Republic and the Constitution. So trying to, to get that bridge, if you like, between politics and law because any discussions about constitution or republics or structures of governance really that's that's where the two will kind of interact and coincide so so hopefully i can bring some interesting perspective from from both disciplines and and both practices definitely and and thanks for thanks again for being here um i i think many of us a lot of us know we kind of forget in the role of what we call the political economy and everything that we do and the way it transcends across so many topics and and by way of a little bit of background for our listeners Barbados is set to transition to republic on its independence day in 2021 november 30th um with this discussion about the move has reached almost a fever pitch uh with many are many are saying that the change is really just a change in name only and and therefore, it's a missed opportunity for real reform of governance in Barbados. Others are fully on board with the move in the, in the way that it's progressing, and they have no significant difficulty 
um, uh, with the with the the way that this present administration, the Myanmar administration, is going about it. And so, based on, on these sort of two um, contending views, we decided it would be a good topic to touch on. And so, we, like we said, we brought uh, Ronnie in to, to just discuss it. Now, uh, Ronnie, this isn't the first time that Barbados has engaged with the conversation about the move to republicanism. Can you tell us and our listeners a bit about the history uh, in terms of the commissions, etc., um, that have that have sort of led to this current moment? So, so this, yeah, you're right. This is not the first time that we've had this kind of discussion in Barbados about becoming a republic. You had uh, the Cox Commission in 1978, 79, um, uh, where, where the move was... Um, was was muted more or less at that particular point. Then you had in the 90s, you had the Henry Ford Commission, uh, which fully supported the move to a republic. And at that time, then you had the Owen Arthur administration going as far as to draft the uh, new constitution. So there was a new republic constitution drafted, obviously never implemented, never fully circulated. And there was even a referendum bill. So the question of Barbados becoming a republic was at that time going to be put to the people of Barbados. And you know, given well, whatever particular circumstances and political decisions, it was never put to the people because at that time it was going to be put to the people at the same time as the general election. So you would have had uh, an opportunity to vote for your, in the normal way of an election and also on the Republic. So Barbados has been um, grappling or engaging with this question for quite a while. You had a situation where previous prime minister. So you had Owen Arthur, you had Frando Stewart, um, all making the, the declaration that Barbados should become a republic. I don't think you would find anyone who would, uh, in principle, disagree with that. Even persons questioning the process and the move in terms of uh, how we're doing it and what it means, um, uh, like myself, we agree that Barbados should become a republic. And, you know, I just want to, I just want to make that clear. Because I think sometimes yeah, because some people just wonder about you and around you. Some people say, "Well, we yeah. <laughs> people people conflate the issues. The moment you question things, and and sometimes that's really sad. In our public dis- debate and discourse, nuance is lost. You know, you're you're either for me or you're either against me. And if that's you're true. against me, well, you know, we're gonna have to take your side out. And, and you're like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying I agree with the move to become a republic. However, I find problems with the process. Because process is often very important because process will inform the effectiveness of what you're trying to achieve. And it would also uh, inform the resonance. How does this then resonate with people? If people feel uncomfortable or they're not on board, then what you're trying to achieve sometimes ends up being, um, you end up creating more problems for yourself than if you bring people on board so that a decision like this, the entire nation should really be rallying behind it, not having a contentious debate about whether independence is going to replace. The referendum? So there are different views on this. Now, I I support the fact that we should have more discussion and we should have um, some form of say. Now, my way in order to get that say is that we should have a referendum. And we should have a referendum for, for, for this reason, in that even if people disagree with the move to become a republic, um, I think their voices should contain. I don't. I don't see any reason that we silence people because they have different views to us. They may be in a minority, but that's what a democracy is about. Everybody's not going to agree. Um, uh, and if we had a referendum, and I've said this publicly, and say, you know, God forbid, we lost, I would think that it's more 
an issue with the people who wanted a republic that we didn't fight hard enough to convince everyone of its value and what we were trying to do. But I wouldn't necessarily blame the folks um, or blame the tool or oh, referendums are bad or, you know, it, it's like the builder blaming the tools rather than recognizing, you know what, I didn't use them properly. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And I think that's the kind of debate that's contending that referendums are these these awful devices and we can't use them because people may make the wrong decision or the bad decision. But what's the bad, what, they make a decision that you're not happy with? Well, you know what, that's democracy. If they did, we would have to deal with it. And you deal with it at that particular point. But your job in leading up to the decision would be to convince those people to make the decision that you think once you weighed up that is beneficial or is better for us as a country. And that is for us to become that republic or to become a republic. So well, what about the persons who would say, um, for example, that, you know, we've already elected a government and they have a clear mandate. In this case, um, this particular government, a very, very clear mandate mm -hmm. um, to move forward. Why then do we need to go to a referendum uh, in order to move forward with something that you said most persons are, you know, are in principle in agreement with? So, so there are two things there. Now, we have representative governments in the Caribbean. That's the form of governments that we practice. So when we elect a government, uh, we elect the government to function on our behalf. However, when it comes to important decisions, we recognize that governments can go back to the people in the form of consultation and referendum. So, so basically, an election does not give you a blank card to say that you're going to govern in any and every way, um, neglecting or ignoring the will of the people, because that's not the, that's not the point um of a, of a mandate so the other thing if you look at it carefully the issue of the republic if i recall was never raised in any of the uh the manifesto so this was never an election issue point. that that any government no government saw a mandate on this actually if you look at it the current Motley administration saw a mandate to hold referendums on issues relating to uh, discrimination around sexuality and marijuana, which is very interesting. So governments tend to like to use referendums for issues that they don't want to take tough choices on because they're afraid of the people. They're afraid, oh, this vote's not going to work for us. So you know what? Issues relating to discrimination, sexuality and marijuana, we may have conservative elements. So let's put them to referendum because then we can hold up our hand and say, well, you know, the people, the people didn't want them, but we, we wanted it. But the people. Um, so so they shelve tough decisions and the things that they should actually come to us about, they're like, no, no, we don't want your voice in this. We don't want to hear you. So we're going to make this decision. And I think that's the problem. It's not that people are against becoming a republic. What they want to say is the type of republic. Because then we recognize a republic is not a, a single economic culture. There's not one form of republic. There's so many combinations and variations and hybrids. And, and you can have different types, executive, non-executive. And even within then, you know, do we do we have a, a Senate and do we have a lower uh, a lower house? Do we have the governor general's uh, role and the prime minister's role merged together? Do we give some more executive power to the governor general? Do we reduce the prime minister's power? Do we have term limits? All of these are the questions around the form of republic. What I find slightly uh, disingenuous in terms of the government's approach is that it, it's trying to force the question down to, oh, this is just about whether the head of state is Barbadian uh, or representative of, of the Queen. And I would and I would I would challenge anybody to tell me that they don't feel the head of state of Barbados is Barbadian. 
Well, when I look at the head of state, the, you know, currently our current head of state can't be anything else. Yeah, yes, of course, we, we understand the technicality that the head of state, in inverted commas, represents the Queen. But the reality is the Queen has no day-to-day -day engagement or involvement in the management and affairs of Barbados. Barbados, since 1966, has been an independent country. We have been, for all intents and purposes, a republic. Yes, there's the hangover of uh, the Queen as representative. Yes, we need to get rid of that. Um, obviously, there's often the argument that we need to bring home the Constitution. So repatriate the Constitution. What is it? Football? Again, <laughs> the football needs to come home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I would challenge anybody to say that it's not being home. What do you think we've been doing for, since 1966? And this is for all the other Caribbean countries that may have the, 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 the Queen as a representative. You know, if we've been, let's, let's put it this way. If we've been messing up our countries, we've been messing them up all on our own since 1966. And the Queen There's, had nothing you know, to do with that. Lately. Nothing to do with it. Nothing. <laughs> no, since right. 1966, nothing to do with it. The road didn't get built. Nothing to do with the Queen. The jobs didn't get created. Nothing to do with the Queen. The system is not working. Nothing to do with the Queen. Yes, I get the principle of the symbol. I get that people feel emotional around it. I get it. I get that some people want to see this happen in their lifetime. I, you know, there's a certain empathy and sadness to think, I want to see this before I pass on. I get that. But there still has to be a way to do this that it is inclusive of people who, who will have to live with this. Whatever, but, but, you know, whatever we decide, we, there's a generation of us that we're going to have to live with this until perhaps we get a chance to change it. And it's not right to shut them out of that, of that process. That, that's basically my argument. But Ronnie, given all that we've said and all that you've said uh, with respect to the previous iterations of this conversation, is it fair, and some people are asking the question, is it fair to say that the move to Republic is being rushed? And I, I listened to a recording of, of Prime Minister Martley and I'm with, with Zena Badawi on the BBC up to this morning. And she said, um, you know, anybody who claims that doesn't know the history of Barbados and the history of this particular conversation, how, you know, is it fair to say that it's being rushed given all of that? I, I, I think I wouldn't use the words rush because because the, the conversation has been long in coming. I would I would say the conversation and the process has been mismanaged. It's been disrespectful and it's disingenuous. So actually, maybe maybe somebody else will actually like the term rush because those those three are worse than rush. Because I, 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 I think what, what really should have happened is that the government inverted this process and it's the most illogical thing. And I am still trying to wrap my head around the logic and nobody's been able to explain it to me. So the government's, from the government's announcement, we're going to become a republic in name. We remove the, the queen as head of state, put the governor general, we create an electoral college to uh, select the new president, etc. However, the independence constitution that we will find problematic and however we find it problematic remains the same. So, and then the idea of the government is then after we've done the change of the, the head of state, then we're going to have a conversation around the, the constitution and we could return to changing the head of state if we want to. It just sounds like utter madness. So we spent all this time change the head of state and then you're telling me 12 months later but actually if you don't like the fact that we we, we the government took the decision for a ceremonial head of state and you actually wanted a different configuration and you want to move things around you can do it now 
It, but that gives the impression that, that could happen because I mean, in my mind, it, it, it would start to be more bishop thing, as we would say colloquially, it would be more bishop thing to allow us to go forward with a non-executive president now, and then six months, 12, 12 months from now, we say, okay, let's change it now, uh, you know, in in, a, in any significant form. And and that 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 strikes me as such an odd backwards approach because what you're then creating is a republic in name, but without. The republic constitution the majority of the constitution will remain the same and it, and it begs the question i think maybe that's why people are saying rush well why don't you just wait have the conversation that we're going to have and then let's make the proper change because we may not actually come out in the end with this ceremonial uh president that you're suggesting and the electoral college uh so let, let's do everything one time so that when we make that declaration of a republic we're a republic in name and a republic in substance. So symbol and substance meet and connect. But perhaps in the most Bajan of ways of doing things, uh, we're, we're focused so much on the symbolism. We are like, for like the... a, myself and Jared came Bajan. We are like, for we. No, but you know what I mean? You, you, there's so much pomp and the, oh, that's the fireworks that will be around it. And, and you know, we're a republic and la la la. We're going to beat the chess. Yeah, we're going to change the anthem, you know, remove a little words and, you know, whatever. Remove some stri- stripes and all these things, the buttons from the uniform. The... But at its core, <laughs> status quo has remained. The stat- fact the status quo has not been touched. And in some ways, the status quo is even more entrenched because, and this is what I find really, really ironic. And I don't, I don't, I, I don't get, I don't get how... The, the argument is being made that now every Barbadian boy and girl can aspire to be head of state. I'm like, really? So you've got an electoral college that we've made up of members in parliament. What ordinary Barbadian boy and girl would be ever selected as head of state from on that group? You're, you're essentially saying, you know, entrenching what already exists, the political mm. class to select the head of state. Yeah. And then you're saying, you know, now anybody can aspire to be head of state. Like, and that's why really? people are saying it's a change in name only. But Ronnie, yeah. I want to kind of pivot to uh, the, the mechanism itself. Now, in mm. a recent piece um, by yourself and, of course, Cynthia Barajas, uh, another colleague mm-hmm. of ours at UWI, you criticized mm-hmm. the state-appointed committee overseeing Barbados' transition to a republic. Um, mm-hmm. Can you speak to some of the issues that you highlighted and, when he, and whether any of, of those have been addressed in any shape or form? Well, 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 really, the issues came down to the formulation of the, um, of the committee and uh, the knowledge base that the committee had um and, and 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 at that point the criticism was that the committee was not basically fit for purpose the committee was ill-suited it came down to pronouncements by the chair of the committee making basic mistakes about the uh, about structures of governance and numbers of senators and constructions of how things work and it was like you know this is basic politics constitution 101 and if you as the chair are getting this stuff wrong. And I'm not, I'm not saying no one is open. You know, everybody's open to make a mistake. We all make mistakes. But you cannot be uh, heading this sort of committee for, for, for what essentially will be very important technical decisions at the end of the day and not have a clear grasp of the information and a clear use of the vocabulary um, and, and being able to hold your own suddenly and express the ideas of what the government's trying to do. So, so we were very highly critical of, 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 of the committee. And, and on top of that, some of the pronouncements coming from the committee 
it, it begs the question of whether the process was as open as the government made it seem because the committee at the point was saying, look, the government's already made the decision. We're just here to, to implement the decision. There's no discussion really about the form of the, 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 the head of state that we're going to have because it's going to be ceremonial. Move on. So at that point, I, you know, I was questioning, other people were questioning. So what do you want submissions on? What do you want us to talk about? But at this point, what are we, what are we talking about? What we're going to come to tell you, we don't want a ceremonial head of state or we want a ceremonial head of state, but we want these things. But what are you going to respond and say, well, the decisions are already being made. So what was the point? That's why I said there's a certain disingenuous about the process. Because it's, like, it's almost like the decision has been made about several aspects of it, several elements. Yeah. And yeah. But yet we are supposed to be in consultation. Yeah. What's the point of the conversation? I may, maybe again, that's that very Caribbean, Caribbean way of, of, of doing things. I, I don't know. And that, and that really strikes me as odd because if you want the open conversation, well, let's have an open conversation. Yes, we understand politics. Nobody's naive. We know if you're a prime minister, if either of us here were a prime minister or, or head of a, a government agency, you will often have your end game determined and you are trying to get there. Even, even when you open the conversation, you're trying not to have unexpected things flying at you because you're like, I want this republic, this reform. But at the same point, you still have to do it in a genuine way that accommodates to the fact that something may happen that you don't expect. People may want something slightly different and you have to be open and big enough to say, you know what, that's okay. Yes, you've elected me. Yes, I have this mandate, but I've heard you on this. I have heard you and you may not be comfortable entirely with this decision that I'm taking or you don't like the form that I'm suggesting because I find that that's what was slightly disrespectful as well. The government was behaving as if, and it, well, it still is, as if its form, its option is the only game in town and it's not. So, so, so you have this articulation of that form of the Republic where you're like, well, actually there are different ways to do this. We can think about it. You may not agree with me, uh, but perhaps let's have the discussion about it. Um, and that, that's, that's what we're not having. Prime Minister Motley has said that her government will nominate current Governor General Dame Sanja Mason to, to be the first president of Barbados. Of course, this is subject to a vote of what we are calling the, um, the Electoral College, which of course is the, um, the, the Senate and, and the House of Assembly. Um, can we, um, can you kind of give us a summary, sorry, of the type of republic? Because several times you've mentioned, you know, there are different type of republic. The type as envisioned or as appeared appears to be bring, being brought forward by the Mia Motley administration. So so the type of republic that they, they seem to, to envision is very similar to what Trinidad has um, in terms of the, that form of um, what you can put in quote-unquote ceremonial type precedent. precedent. So the actual executive powers will still uh, reside with the prime minister and the cabinet and ministers. So the, the process that Trinidad has for election is the electoral college. Um, and I think this is what, this is what caused a slight consternation for, for persons because there was an argument that here you have the prime minister nominating or intending to nominate. So let, let's be clear about the word. Intending to nominate or suggesting that there will be an intention to nominate the existing governor general for a post that does not constitutionally exist as yet, using a process that does not constitutionally exist as yet. And actually, if you follow the model that Trinidad uses, the prime ministers, there's no place in that nomination process officially for the prime minister because that, that nomination process and that entire process is managed 
by the Speaker of the House. So the Trinidad model, if I remember correctly, I think 12 or so members of Parliament, uh, they have to sign the nomination paper. The person who wants to be nominated will also sign because obviously they have to give consent that they, that they want to be nominated. That nomination goes to the Speaker and the process goes from there. So, so in effect, really, there, there, there was no, there's no space for a prime ministerial kind of announcement of, I want this person. Yes, that may happen in the background because obviously we know that a prime minister will have control Yeah, man, them fellas talking. Everybody meeting and talking about this thing. Yeah. Yeah, the prime minister controls cabinet and prime minister controls parliament because the type of fuse system we have, we know that in the, in the legislature, in, in parliament, uh, the prime minister will be will be controlling the agenda, um, but at the same point, the the process officially is not being driven by the prime minister because I guess the idea is that you know twelve other members of parliament may get at one. They say, you know what? Why like this person for for, for president? Um, and if we had a more balanced house, you never know it could happen. Say if we had if we had a house uh, a parliament not thirty zero but you know, it could be 16, 14 or something, then you recognize you got a real race on because if the system is designed, designed that 10 or 12 people have to nominate, you could actually have then two, you know, two persons, their names going forward and a real kind of, um, uh, kind of campaign or, or a little bit of tension between who becomes, which is the best candidate. Um, but right now, so, right now we know who it's going to be. When, once the PM exactly. says, this is who it is, that's who it is. You that, know? That, that, that's the problem I have with a lot of the things that exactly. we talked about our system. Exactly. So, so yeah. So that 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 that's pretty much what their their model is. And and from what from what we've heard in some speeches and snippets is that the powers of the new president will uh, mirror the powers of the governor general. Um, and though why we appreciate um, that people often say this that the, the powers of the governor general are largely ceremonial, there still has to be an appreciation that within our system. The governor general has has some real power um so i i often like to tell people you know you need you need when you need to understand these things you just have to start reading the um reading the constitution because as much as the governor general ceremonial there's still some some situations where the governor general has has discretion uh which means that the government is acting on their own and they're not necessarily acting on the advice of the um of the uh prime minister or a minister so so that's that's really the system that's being proposed and i guess for some of us it would be the question is would we have had an opportunity to re-examine the current system so so would we have an opportunity to to, to look at the fact that you know within our constitution the governor general effectively has a veto so, for example, a law can't become law unless it's signed by the Governor General. If you look at the Constitution, it says that the Governor General can withhold their signature. We know that never happens because convention right. says that the head of state will never withhold their signature from the um, effective head of government and lose uh, your work. And parliament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Once it's put forward, you have to pass it. Yeah, exactly. Even if, even if it's bad legislation or it's poorly designed or it's bad policy, you know, they're going to sign it. So, so again, these are the kind of serious discussions that we could have because if you go back to the same Trinidad model that you know seems to be being banned around, you go back to their 1970, can't remember yet, 70s, it's like 78. I think their independence, um, their constitutional review commission looked at the fact that perhaps that veto should be given real bite, and that the uh, the new president should be able to 
you know, with reasons, return legislation to the parliament and say, look, you know, for these reasons, I think you need to re-examine this. Not in the end that the president won't sign off on it, but just a mechanism to create a little bit of check and balance or at least attention, ensure that we are getting the best laws. So these are the kinds of discussions that would have been useful, um, even if we're going to accept, yes, you know, that we want to do the ceremonial type presidency. Now let's have discussions around how do we create a little bit more bite in that presidency. And if we create a little bit more bite, does that lead into a conversation? So the presidency be elected, because if you're given this kind of power and this kind of bite, or at least we're activating some of the power that already exists in the constitution that's not really used because convention says you don't do these things. Um, do we then look at the method of selection? Because the method of selection links to how the power is used. So obviously, if, if you've given someone more power, you can't just have them being selected. Because that's mm. a whole different story. Because then you need a real check on them. But, but Rani, the Prime Minister appears to be arguing, and this is just my interpretation, mm -hmm. uh, that the current mechanism by which the Governor General is appointed, of course, you know, um, the Prime Minister has a big saying that, and that mm -hmm. that mechanism will be significantly improved by a vote of the Electoral College. Of course, we spoke about it being both houses. Do you agree with that position? I, I think that's a much of a must make. Let's be realistic. Because if you go back to what you just said, the Prime Minister say who the who the um, <laughs> who the president going to be? That's who the president's going to be. So so how much improvement is that on the old system? Because the electoral college is still going to vote for for that person because all of those persons are have loyalty and um, and their patronage and their allegiance is owed to the office of the Prime Minister. So it's not like they're going to go and vote for for somebody else. And with such a large majority, they're currently in our system. There is no tension to say, look, is there someone who's equally qualified? And I, not that not that you you that put most people would not want the current governor general to be the president, but I think it's just a matter of having having a, a, a real life democracy in action. Um, so so I can I can see on paper how the electoral college is an improvement, but in practice we know that the prime minister will wield the power to get the members in line behind who they want to be president. That's why I said that whole idea and this, this premise that now every Beijing boy and girl can aspire to be prime minister. I think that's a lot of rubbish. That's a whole lot of rubbish because Malachi. it doesn't create it doesn't create any more any more access than the current system. So so yes, now you have a, another hurdle between um the the, the 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 prime minister and the selection but it's the same and even actually in the current process i would imagine that the prime minister would go and talk to the opposition leader senior government officials and you know senior members in her her or his particular party depending on the, you know whoever the prime minister is and the chain i would imagine that's how it would work before they make a suggestion um so in effect you've got the same kind of thing but now you just got this electoral college uh, you know, making it feel that these people have voted on your on your behalf. You know, is it is it a system where the the members of the electoral college and assuming that role will go back to their constituents and say, look, we got this person, two people on the list, or we got is this who you want me to vote for? You know, these are the reasons that I want to vote for. You know, that person or X or Y, and and you know, what should I do? You know, we very unlikely that would happen. So 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 are we are we are we so tied into this idea of representative government you vote for someone every five, five, five years or whatever the situation and then you kind of just put your hands up and say you know what 
whatever they do, they do. I, I will deal with them at the election. And I think that's such a, a, a pathetic process in the Caribbean we need to overcome. There has to be active engagement and involvement in government and in the process of governance between the elections. It just can't be like, I can sit down and let them do what I do. And five vote, years, man. I, I can see you. Five years, I can come for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but by that time, you know, whatever, it's already over, you know. like So I just... So there's, there, there's so many things and, and this is why I think we're missing such a great opportunity. This is such a time that we could really reform the constitutions and, and engage with the people. And I know the government and I accept that it doesn't matter perhaps how much we talk about this. The government is, um, is uh, hell-bent on its process and it's going to make, it's, turn, it's doing this step one, step two. So step one, head of state change and then it will consult on the other changes and apparently we can go back on the step one and change that if we want and i and i get that that's the process but i wish it wasn't the process because it could be such a beautiful uh process and and, and having the kind of constitutional convention that we didn't have at independence to, to really say you know what let us take the constitution to its constituent elements which are the people at its core 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 basis the constitution is just the people. We 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 give life to that to that 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 piece of paper. That that law that says it's the supreme law of the land. You know whether you're in St. Vincent, St. Lucia, Barbados, wherever. That that the constituent element of that is really the people. And I and I wish that that there was a recognition sometimes of, of that by our political directorate, and that people themselves recognize that they have the power. The ultimate power in our system lies with them. Rani, I appreciate that there is this opportunity to make this significant change. But do you gather from being on the ground that there is an appetite by the average Barbadian to see the president with more powers and to have these changes implemented? Or is it just that, you know, we appreciate that it's just going to be a change in title, which is, you know, pretty much what the topic today is about. Do we mm. think that the Barbadians just say, you know what, it used to be Governor General, I'm fine with it just being president, but nothing else changes um, materially? I think I think people want to know more. I think that that's it. I think the, the process um, has been botched. And that that's that's really interesting from a government which is very good to get communications. And for something this important, that the communication aspect of it has been botched. And perhaps maybe the government didn't expect that people would be interested in discussing they never expect you running they never expect you to come forward so. <laughs> <laughs> i think maybe they didn't think people you know the point that you were just making you know people would just see it as a simple uh, name change they would just go along and be like yeah it's fine no big deal but i think yeah. people really want to know you know what's this about because we could we do better and you know i have a friend he always says running where you can do better do better and that's, that's where we are. We can do better. Like, we could really do better with this process. And this could be such, could be such a moment for us. Because what, what I fear, and maybe it won't happen, who knows, but you, you, you could have that parallel situation. And recently I've been, been looking at it, um, where, and I think it was in Ireland, where they had a similar, a similar situation. Their, their independence, as you know, uh, their independence constitution came in in the 1930s. But the declaration for a republic didn't happen until pretty much uh, the start of the 1950s, 1949, I think. And their, their, their 
at that point, um, there were there were arguments very similar to us, you know, well, we've been effectively a republic since the 30s when we had the independence constitution. Um, same here, we've been effectively a republic since the 60s when we had the independence constitution. Um, and then, you know, whether the symbolic rev resonance of becoming a republic will carry over or will it fade? And I think there, there's that debate that, you know, really at the point maybe it was you know people celebrated but then it, it just fades into to memory because the real moment has already has already happened even if we appreciate that the, it's the unfinished business of removing uh the queen from our from our constitution and from our government set up um you know the, the question is will it become a fixture in the public's imagination or will that 1966 really hold the date? Because in effect, you can't you can't really rewrite and change history. And for so many of us, as I said, while we appreciate the, the symbolism, well, it's already happened. I, I get it. I get I get. We have to clean up. You know, it's the unfinished business, as we like to call it, removing the the final the final vestiges of colonialism and etc. Um, but at the same point, for so many people, I think the practicality of it is that they recognize that we've been running the show. Warts and all, we haven't, you know, on, on a level, it's been us running the show. Obviously, we can get into a discussion about neocolonialism and globalization and the effect of, of our agencies at the IMF and the World Bank and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, we've been calling the shots. Let, let's think of it in that very clean, clean way. We've been calling the shots. So, we're, we're so if you want... Go ahead. Mm -hmm, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, I, I, I want to go a bit further than Jarek. I mean, is it kind of naive for us to assume that a, a sitting prime minister would put forward, and this isn't any job at, at this particular prime minister in Mia Motley, is it, is it kind of naive, naive for us to think that a prime minister would put forward a plan that sort of limits their power going forward or, or, or gives greater power to the president vis-a-vis -vis themselves? Uh, you know, and I, I, some people are saying, well, this, this, this is typical behavior. This is what we expect of politicians. And, that, and that's really sad. I think that that is that is what you just said is one of the saddest things that I've heard in a while. This is what we expect of politicians, and maybe maybe that will be that will be written on the on the gravestone or the tombstone of 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 the Caribbean. Um, you know, as as we or if we become failed states because we 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 do not use these moments to really, really engender the change that we need. And we know the changes, and, and it's all across the Caribbean. We're not just talking about Barbados, so this is all, all across the place. Um, and, 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 and why shouldn't we expect that we have mature leaders who are able to say, you know what, I have too much power. Why should our system, and I, you know, this is what always gets me about, about people um, at times like, Oh, we've been blessed with good leaders, you know, who respect our system. I don't need to be blessed by a good leader. I just want my system to restrain whoever it is. Whether you whether you good, we're, we're or whether in church. You're good. We don't need a blessing directly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't need I don't need you to be like, have some kind of self restraint and like, oh, you know, I'm a good leader. I've not used all my power. What? That? What? What? Really? I should be happy that you're able to tell me I don't exercise all the offices. The powers of the prime minister no no no. i need the system to restrain you irrespective of whether instinctively inverted commas you're good 
or you're bad. Yes, you know, for example, the US system, we saw it went close to breaking point, but you recognize recently, but you recognize that the system was still able to hold him, hem him in. And that's how a system should work. It doesn't depend on whether you got a good heart or a bad heart or, you know, you're morally right or morally. The system has to function. I think that's what we need to get to in the Caribbean rather than, oh, you know, I know, I know so and so, man, he was a nice yeah, He ain't gonna do that, man. He ain't gonna do that. Exactly. That's how he ain't gonna do that. I, I know the comrade, man. The comrade ain't gonna do that. Yeah, yeah. I know the comrade. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's a, he's, a good, he's a good man. She's a good man. No, it shouldn't depend on what you feel about these people or whoever they are. It should just function. And we need to, 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 to get to that place where the system function and we have to be mature about it i remember one of the the most mature things uh in recent times we saw was um when nelson mandela um became president of south africa served his terms and what did he do he sat down he was like you know i do i do what i had to do i did my terms according to the law the constitution and then i stepped away and that was a big moment because here you had someone recognizing it was not about them. It was about the country and the system. And you had a similar situation in some of the early independence countries in Barbados when Arabaro lost, I think, I'm, I'm going back here, 70s and accepted it. Because he was like, well, you know, well, I lose the election. That's it. I didn't do my job. I might not like this result, but I lost and I accepted it. And that set a precedent. That's, that's the kind of maturity we kind of need in our system. You know, I I recognize that I shouldn't have all of these powers or there needs to be more balance in the system. So I am willing or I'm willing to rewrite the system to reduce some of the things that I may be able to just freely then do because you know what, the next person might not be me. It could be that one moment, that one time we get the person that, you know, the person that we know he, we know he, exactly, and and it just takes one. It, all it takes is one. And we and saw another couple of years in, in in the place that shall not be named. <laughs> yeah, all it takes yeah. is one, and you and you can bring a system to it. You can bring a country to its knees. So so we have to get mature. Our our political directorate needs to be mature enough to say. And if someone had to do that you could really set off a, a, a chain reaction in the Caribbean. Because if one leader is mature enough to do it, think about then the other Caribbean countries looking at well, the way did he do it? Well, we, we, you, you can't set up term limits too. Why you in office? Why you in office for 20 years? Would, do you think that's right? Why you are holding the same position for 30 years? No. So, so all of these are, are mature conversations that we, that we, that we need to have and to, 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 to bring into our, 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 our discussions about constitution and actually put them into practice. Ronnie, in, in what we believe, and what I think is one of your more recent pieces, I think I read it over the weekend, you provided an alternative form of republicanism where the president, while still non-executive, is elected directly by the people. You also sort of delved into the notion of a rearrangement of the constitution of um, of the Senate, for example, in terms of the you know the number of um, independent senators, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Could you could you elaborate a bit on that model? Because I found it very interesting, and actually, it's upon reading that particular um, piece that I said, "Listen, we have to get Ronnie on the part to talk about this." Well, well, first thing first, uh, you know, so that the fact that you're reading my pieces, I, you know, I, 
I'm more, I'm most grateful that somebody actually read reads the you're stuff. You big man, you be everybody reading them. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, that people are actually reading the stuff. Uh, and you know, it's it's good that when people get excited about what what can be considered very dry, you know, topics about the constitution and and whether you know. So sometimes you think this stuff is so, so, so esoteric or so removed like from the daily lives of people and then you get people saying, yeah, I read that, like, oh, that's not a bad idea. That's really good. That That's the kind of engagement that, that you want. Now, really what I was trying to do was just trying to sketch and tease out some options or at least some ideas for what a model could, could look like. And I, I think I was at pains to try to say, look, this is just the way I am saying this. This is informed by my experiences, informed by my thinking. But I am sure there are other people out there who have different ideas. And, and, and what I was really proposing, uh, and I'll just look at a few of the big ticket items, that the head of state should be elected uh, by the people. And, and, I, and I think that, that for me is important because if you want to give real meaning to this idea that every boy and girl has an opportunity to, to be the head of state, I think the only way that can happen is if the head of state is electable by the people. If 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 the head of state is selected by um, a group of MPs, I don't I don't see how that can give credence for the fact that any any ordinary person can can put themselves forward and run for head of state. And and really it should be the, the, the concept, you know, that, that that concept remember learning about this in political that every cup can govern. Every every the idea that everybody should theoretically and in reality have a chance to govern and lead their society um and you know obviously will they be voted for well you know that's a damn discussion but the point is you should be able to put yourself forward um now if you move that and you create an elected head of state you obviously then have to look at the other parts on the on the board that's the thing about constitutional and political reform you can't move one piece without thinking okay I have to move the other pieces because by electing the head of state, what you've done, you've created a power base. That's realistic. This person is elected. They also have a mandate. So you then you have to think about how do I create additional checks or tensions within the system, but without overloading the system to create gridlock. I think that's what I was trying to do. It, it's a fine balance. Um, I don't know if I achieved all of it. I, I'm sure people would debate and say, no, don't go that way. But for example, then I said, have fixed term limits for the prime minister something so i've been advocating minister. forever we need it man. i know i know we do mm. i do i I've, I've seen arguments about oh we you know if you've got a talented prime minister why remove them you might not get the talent i'm like what are you talking about we spent all this money on free education let's get people all kind of scholarships you are telling me there's no other people that can can run these that can run these spaces really if you come around really? right here you're not because <laughs> our prime minister said that and i was taken aback he said that there is a limited pool of talent uh, for leadership in the Caribbean. That's and, true. And myself, yes, when, when, Cynthia Bar when Cynthia was on the party, we discussed that. And she was like, she could, you know, I couldn't believe that he had said that. That's ridiculous. The most, that's a bunch of hogwash. Let's put it in, in real terms. That is the most ridiculous thing. All of these people vote the place when they wrote scholars, Chesney scholars, National Development scholars, Fulbright scholars. Every, every other person winning something and doing amazing things. And you will look at me and say we got limited pools um, for 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 leadership within the Caribbean. We 
we have more than enough competent people to do this. So having term limits, you know, it, we're not going to end up somehow with nobody of, of competence and caliber. Actually, we might get a chance to get new people because they recognize, you know what? I can enter this, this process and I don't have to wait a lifetime because the reality is the leader only has 10 years and that's it. You have to move on and do, go, go, go and try to lead from behind the scenes or, or leave parliament and pursue other interests or help the country in different ways by staying in parliament as a backbencher and using your experience to then help the next, the next leader. So there's this process of really creating a, a, a strong cadre of leaders at the top before one necessarily holding on to the reins for dear life until the end of their days. Um, so that was one thing I thought important. Fixed election dates. Another thing that takes some of the sting out of the power of the Prime Minister. You're not holding everybody to ransom because we know the moment that the election caravan is over, everybody starts the guessing game about the next election. Wait, you think you can call it in a year? The man might just win or the, or the lady just win and here the election's going to be in another year or two years. You know, they're going to the IMF, so they're going to call it before or after. And we start this silly guessing game, wasting energy and political capital and time worrying about the election date. Because in our system, the Prime Minister is the only body that walks around in their heart, chest puffed up, knowing, well, I could call the election tomorrow. They had the election in the back pocket. They had the date in the back pocket. Every, every, <laughs> right in the back pocket. You know, I know. Nobody else say no. And you're like, really? That That's how you... That's how you you operate a system, big men and women, and you and you want to operate like that? No, have a fixed date. We know the elections will be this time, every four years, every five years, on this particular date, this particular time, at the end of the period, this is when the president or prime minister, whoever, however the system is designed, this is when they'll be announced. Simple. I, I just do not understand how hard these things are. To, to have because there's this concept about oh you know the prime minister needs that you have to call an election in case there's an emergency or you know they need a new mandate you know what govern that's what you're put there to do govern and get through it it's not about winning elections and saying you win two or three elections do do the job that you're put there to do and and move on when when you've done or you've completed your your term of office the other thing i wanted to, to, to do in the system i was suggesting it's a take ministers out of parliament. So so allow the prime minister, because that's often a problem, they say we don't have the ability to choose uh, persons and, and industry and academia and experts that sometimes we would want as a minister. And sometimes those people do not want to subject themselves to electoral politics. And fair enough, sometimes you think, why would anyone do that? So allow the prime minister to be able to choose members of a cabinet and ministers who are not in um who are not in parliament and the one that you seem the point that you seem to like a lot is the senate yeah First, i mean well, I, that that's because i'm coming from st vincent we have a unicameral system where i system. feel like the, whole, the senators is a waste of time thing huh? that, 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 honestly yeah. that's how i feel yeah you know i agree because i would abolish the senate um i would abolish the senate that was my that's my original thinking go go with unicameral system uh but for those who who say, you know, the Senate has a purpose and it's about um, allowing different voices and interest groups. I'm like, fair. Okay, fine. If you want to keep it, let's change the composition to create slight, a slight, slightly a little bit more tension in the system. Not enough that could derail the program of an elected government, but enough that sometimes the government has to rethink 
when it's trying to do things. Not that eventually yeah, because, can't get it programmed Yeah, because through. they have to think about, listen, I, this needs to be put forward in such a way that it gets past the Senate. Not, yes. not currently where it is now. Once it got it gone, you know. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it's like this poor policy making. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. But everybody just vote for it because the government, the government of the day, has has put it forward. So, so those were those were some of the main the main ideas uh, in terms of the model that I was I was trying to sketch out, trying to deal with some of the main institutions: the prime minister, the president, the ministers, the MPs, and and the senate. Just just trying to think about how we could how we can move them around and uh and make and make new sense of them yeah and, and i like i said i was very intrigued by it and I, I, some of the things that i've been thinking about um um for some years and some time looking at st vincent the grenadines and and i think my focus has started being sharpened or heightened by the fact that we've had one government in power for over 20 years um now we yeah. like it to serve 25 and so on that we really need these checks and balances and people yeah. started to believe that you know he's a good guy and, and what have you but it can't be um based on the leader of the day it has to be based on the system and the constitution um that is in play um I, i'm just i just looked about the time running and i said wow where, <laughs> where, where where has the time gone uh and so i i kind of unless jarek has any other questions if you want any any final thoughts ronnie um, we'll move on to the final segment and if you listen to the pod before that's where we start to raise our glass to something that's happening within our own lives or within the region within the world uh in general um and any any more questions jarek any final thoughts ronnie yeah nothing else for me i think we we pretty much dealt with everything um in terms yeah in terms of looking at the republic uh use of referendum needs consultation the process um other options that are out there and um and really, you know, what I my, my final thought really would be, if the government is going to pursue its process and it doesn't seem like it's going to change uh, course, is that even if they do the, the one kind of two-step process, I would just encourage people to still participate in the second part because you never know. We may, we may have an opportunity to, um, to actually uh, have some real serious reforms um and let, let's hope that the, the the second part does does take place because we know sometimes governments have a tendency to once they've you know achieved their political um uh, mandate or goal the rest of the actual substantive discussion may may fall away i i you know hopefully that doesn't happen i, I don't think it will so so i guess the, the the thing would be for people to really participate in the second the second stage of what the government is is trying to do and you know we never know we may be able to revisit the the what what they do on november the 30th in terms of just creating the swap for swap from governor general to the president you never know you might end up with something a little bit more innovative with a little bit more bite in the system uh and to and to really kind of push some uh power to the people at least that recognizes that the people have power or at least the people should recognize that they have the power at the end of the day I'm not as as optimistic as you are, Ronnie. I, I believe that we have we start to have this culture where we don't rock the boat. You know, we we giving the people as much as we think that they can stomach. We don't think that the people are capable or have the appreciation uh, to do something more than just a swap out. And and I think that that's the position we're going to end up with. It's going to basically be a swap from governor general to president, and 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 few real changes in terms of um some of the things that you would have mentioned in your pieces and so on. But that's just me, and I I would love to be wrong as time plays out and with that we're going to jump into the second segment of the pod um so we're going to ask ronnie what 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 could you raise your glass to today well i i guess i guess for me it would have to be to raise my glass to my amazing 
um, amazing son who's about six and a half months old and uh, who keeps me on my toes and uh, you're showing sure off against me and Jadrick here boy we do we try we reach there yet it's a joyous um, tiring process um, and I have friends who tell me Ronnie you're going to be tired for the next 21 years so so, so they're like yeah, that, that sets it um, but I, I I don't know father fatherhood is just one of those those things that for me has been i think i have people said this they said it was going to change your life oh yeah you know whatever you know of course you're going to do what you're supposed to do (laughs) take care so you don't you don't recognize how much it changes you because you start to think about how your son will view you so when it comes to things on principle that you think i need to stand up for this because you're like if i don't do this how would my child be looking on thinking what did you what did my father do did he not think that this is something you should stand for all of these kind of things randomly run through your run through your head and, and right thank um, you he's going off in the background <laughs> i know exactly so um so so you you just it, it it does something to transform you and the kind of future that you you want to build and it's not that you never thought about these things or you didn't have a reason obviously you always think i want to build a better country a better space but now you have a person that that you know that you being partly responsible for creating that has to live and exist in in that space that you're trying to create so it's not just about creating it for you but you're trying to create it think okay they, they have to live in this space so i i can't i can't mess this up i can't muck this up I, it can't be substandard i think for me my son should not have to fight the battles that i'm fighting he should have to fight new things not that you fight them for him that's not it i'll prepare you to fight your own battles but it can't be the same problems that our parents fought and we seem to have still be fighting them whether it's better educational systems or better infrastructure we still seem to in the caribbean be at the base level for so many things and we're still fighting the things that our parents complain about and you think well no we shouldn't be our worry should be a different level you know maybe mm-hmm. and that and that's where i want where i want to be like we need to just kind of i know we're not going to eliminate poverty or eliminate all of these things but these shouldn't be overwhelming us. Like the fact that roads aren't fixed or schools don't work or, you know, <laughs> or, and you're just like, really? Or someone, you know, getting streetlights is still a celebration. You're like, streetlights are basic. There's your job. I, I, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you should not, you should not fight for you for streetlights. Yeah. I pay taxes for the streetlights for the ball. You know, I get like, and, and it's like, it's things like this that just sometimes it's really, Really just, mm. it's just, it just saddens you and it really, um, it, it creates, I don't know, righteous, I guess righteous anger if you want to use Martin Luther's, uh, you know, th- those kinds of terms because you're like, we shouldn't have to fight it for these, we should be fighting that for different things like bothering about internet speeds and connectivity and, and, and it seems like we've got the old problem and the new one. So we're battling the fact that street lights the street like that. And it's still so, yeah. And, and so we just seem to be behind as a region. And we need to do better. We have to do better. Mm. And we can. I know we can. There, there are too many clever people, whether it's at UE, whether it's in industry. There's just too many of us. And mm. I don't see why this doesn't work. And I think the only thing that I can see that stops us from working sometimes is that we have really poor governance systems. We just have really bad systems that do not allow uh, people to function the way they need to function or does not provide 
for that kind of innovation. So we, so let me, uh, Rani said all that there. Yeah? So we're raising our glass to fatherhood <laughs> and we're raising our glasses <laughs> to, to better governance. Yes, we could, <laughs> we could drink to those two things. <laughs> what about you, Jadrick? <laughs> uh, yeah, the lion had to laugh for the, for the street lights one because you know where I am. Um, <laughs> I'll go hold but, it down with you. Go, go through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the inspiration there. I think Rani really trying to inspire me and the Lana to take a move, make a move on this fatherhood train. But um, yes, you should. You should. <laughs> I care with the misses. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I want to drink to um, two things really. I think uh, one, the relief efforts that we were seeing uh, following the earthquake in haiti and you know everyone coming forward stepping up even small nations like some Vincent donating funds even though we just experienced a natural disaster in the volcanic eruption as well you know things like that i like to see um two quickly i as always i try to train something with sports particularly athletics and i want to big up in the jamaica as always with their one to three with the women right now they're doing amazing things in the 100 meters um elaine shelly and sharika love to see it um, second fastest, third fastest uh, female times in the 100 and in, in what, 20, 30 years. So I want to raise my glass to that and uh, yeah, to you know, to our Caribbean people. Definitely raise our glasses. For me, I just want to raise my glass to the educators. Um, we're approaching the new semester or the new term for school. Uh, I want to raise my glass to the educators, the teachers, the lecturers and so on, and the students, the parents as well. Um, in terms of going back to school, we know it's not going to be uh, in some instances face to face. But I just want to, you know, encourage the parents, encourage the students, encourage the educators out there to, you know, to hold strain. Um, you know, COVID nineteen is not going to be forever. Um, in terms of its, it, it how the seriousness of its impact now. Um, but I just want to encourage us as we move into the new semester. We can't let the pandemic derail our educational system and our push. For better Ronnie just um, spoke a lot about um, the importance of educated persons and, and knowledge and building a knowledge-based society so I just want to raise our glasses uh, to those um, who are going back into the schooling system uh, in, the, in the upcoming term and, and wish them all the best and, and, and safety uh, for the for the academic year so I want to raise my glass to that yeah we could definitely raise our glass to that definitely definitely we, we all need it <laughs> <laughs> right and so bring the discussion to and bring the podcast to an end. We want to, Ronnie, thank you again for joining us. It was a great discussion. And I know the discussion has inspired, it inspired me to read your piece like, like Delana did. And I'm sure it will a number of others, a number of our other listeners as well. So we want to thank you for joining us again. Uh, yeah, we're going to keep these kinds of discussions going. Hopefully we're going to bring out another episode quite soon for you guys because we've been a bit, you know, lagging behind a bit. But as always... I'm the lawyer, Jared Cummings. And I'm the policy analyst, Delano D'Souza. Catch you next time.